All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. I'm Matt Larkin. You've seen me before, but now I am your host today. I'm joined by someone I've admired for a long time, Mr. Scott Burnside, one of our very special writers. Scotty, it's a pleasure. How you doing? Matt, I got to tell you, you look great, totally comfortable. Uh, I hope Frank Cervelli isn't too nervous today, but uh, show's in good hands, my friend. Let's roll. All right, let's roll. And speaking of rolling, the Vegas Golden Knights, we're going to drop the puck and put 200, two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock right now. The Golden Knights are playing their LTIR games. They bring back Mark Stone after a 26-game absence yesterday. And they conveniently place some other bodies on long-term injured reserve. We've got Lauren Bossois, Nolan Patrick, William Carrier, all of a sudden coming down with injuries that are very serious. So what I want to ask you, Scott, is here we have Mark Stone activated before the playoffs. So this is not a perfect Nikita Kucherov situation in which he's parachuting in just in time for the playoffs. But there is some manipulation going on here by the Vegas Golden Knights with these players that are suddenly conveniently hurt just in time for Stone to come back. $4.925 million in cap relief, which creates the total space, $9.93 million, to bring back Mark Stone. So what I want to know, Scotty, is... Do you see this as a new sort of evolution of the Tampa Bay villainy, sort of Lex Luthor level villainy by the Vegas Golden Knights? I personally think it's okay. They're exploiting the rules. The rules are there. It's not their fault. But where do you land on this? Is this getting shady by the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah. So it's not exploiting, assuming those players are legitimately injured. And you have to wonder, is management in Los Angeles, Dallas, 
maybe Nashville, all the teams fighting for one of those final couple of playoff spots, wildcard spots, or the, the playoff spot in the Pacific Division. How do they feel about this move? And you know from the NHL's constant responses to complaints about Tampa Bay, Montreal, before that Chicago Blackhawks a few years ago, um, uh, basically warehousing players until the playoffs when the rosters expand. Well, as you're right, Matt, this is completely different. But why is it different? Because Vegas is life and death to make the playoffs. And I, I think you have to really trust that the NHL does what it always says it does in these situations. And that is to watch very closely what are the medical issues that surround those players who were conveniently put on LTIR. To me, it's the timing that always brings uh, the hackles up for people. It's a, it's a, a natural reaction because, of course, the convenience to get Mark Stone back in the lineup can't be ignored. You have to trust that the NHL is looking at this very closely. And if those players um, weren't injured, that the NHL would move in. Um, it, it is a, I don't, it's not shady to me, but it's, it's something that I'm sure does not sit well with the teams that are competing with Vegas for those final playoff spots. And you have to remember those spots are worth literally millions of dollars in playoff revenue to the teams that can make it. And if Vegas knocks someone out, you can bet there'll be a lot of complaining and grumbling behind the scenes. For sure. And I have to think Vegas, if they can squeak in and conveniently get healthy just in time for those playoffs, that is a hell of an eight seed. That's quite a reward you get if you finish at the top of the conference in the West. You play a healthy Vegas team. I see major sleeper potential there. And speaking of sleepers, someone that was sort of under the radar because he decided not to turn pro right away, Owen Power. The Buffalo Sabres, the first overall pick in 2021. He makes his debut in Toronto last night. I was there. Personally, I was extremely impressed by what I what I saw. He looked like a veteran. He was extremely poised out there, made great decisions. He even broke up a two-on-two with Austin Matthews, who had great things to say, of course, about power after the game as well. He said his hockey IQ jumps out. He didn't look like a rookie playing his first game. Other members of the Leafs were very effusive as well about Owen Power. I thought he looked fantastic out there. So I'm curious for you, Scott, I know you've been talking a lot about the Sabres lately and sort of envisioning their future. We're now at 11 years, a record for playoff drought, 11 seasons in a row. Do you think Owen Power represents finally the turning of the tide here? And is he going to be a key piece that gets them toward finally making progress and getting back to the postseason? Yeah, in fact, Matt, you uh, had a uh, weekly roundtable question uh, a couple weeks ago about teams that we thought could jump forward. And I really like what the Sabres have shown in the last half of this season. Obviously, it's been a very difficult century for, for the Sabres. So um, I think Owen Power is clearly going to be a big part of that. I, I think you have to really, though, temper your expectations if you're a Sabre fan and certainly in Sabre management, Kevin Adams, the GM. And we know that Don Granato, the head coach there, he understands um, the, the evolutionary track for young players and especially for young defensemen. And I think, frankly, for big young defensemen, you think back to Victor Hedman, it took him three or four or five years in Tampa before he became an elite all-world player. Uh, of course, Rasmus Dahlin, another number one overall pick who's in Buffalo and has been there for four or five years. It's not been a straight line for him, just as it hasn't been a straight line for that entire franchise. Um, but I do think this team now, with the collection of really high-end young talent, we've seen you know, Alex Taco, we've seen Dahlin really, I think, take steps forward this season. Tage Thompson, it's 
It's a really interesting emerging young team. I think the good thing for Owen Power, he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to carry this team forward. There were five or six or seven players really in his sort of age wheelhouse that can help to shoulder that load. Um, there's going to be some bumps. There always are with young defensemen. Um, but uh, I really like what Buffalo's done. And I think they have a chance to really be, I don't think it, a playoff team maybe next year, but really play meaningful games into the second half of next season. And Owen Power is going to be a big part of that, not just next year, but moving forward. Good for him. And great to see all his support in Toronto last night. You must have been thrilled to watch that moment in history. If only the Sabres could just play the Leafs 82 times a year, they'd be dominating the Leafs. They just have fits with those Buffalo Sabres. It is really exciting to see. I always say Buffalo, for me, is the best market in the NHL pound for pound. This is a market with nobody to watch in the playoffs for a decade, and they regularly produce great TV ratings because the fans there, they care so much. You're in there, and you see a truck drive by the arena and honks. Let's go, Buffalo. I love that. Just a devoted market. They deserve success. But they don't have it yet. A team that is having a lot of success had a big win last night in the Metro Division, the Carolina Hurricanes. The big showdown with the New York Rangers battling for Metro Division supremacy. And with that win, Carolina moves four points ahead of the New York Rangers. They also have that tiebreaker of regulation and overtime wins. So for you, Scott, are we seeing Carolina pull away from the pack and emerge as the class of this division? It's been very competitive all season long. So I'm curious, do you think they are now number one, the team to beat? Yeah, it's a good question. And I do provide some content for the Hurricanes and spend some time down there. And uh, I, I think it's a little premature to say they pulled away from the pack. Um, you know, that was a critical win in New York, fell behind early against the Rangers and then came back to, to win that game. I think they'll end up in first place um, in the Metropolitan Division. I got to tell you, though, and no one, te no teams will ever tell you honestly who they would prefer to play in the playoffs. But the way that Pittsburgh is playing, with all due respect to the Penguins, you might actually be further ahead to finish second in the Metro, play the Penguins in the first round. Um, and uh, because the, the first place team at this point, Carolina, likely going to draw Tampa or Boston. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a, that's a, that's a tough nut uh, to crack in that first round, uh, even as a division winner. But no, I think Carolina's like a lot of teams, especially in the East, that have gone a little bit sideways, maybe played a little bit under expectations for the last month or so. I think that's a, a, a fact, a function of uh, we've known who the top eight teams are going to be in the Eastern Conference literally for weeks. I think it's an, an understandable that we've seen Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, although they're on fire now, certainly Tampa Bay, a lot of discussion about their level of play. I think Carolina fits into that groove. I, I was talking to Rick Tockett, though, a uh, longtime NHL coach, of course, uh, analyst with TNT. Um, and he said that he felt that Carolina is in a, a, you know, an interesting spot down the stretch um, because they're still trying to prove the, to themselves and to everyone that they are an elite team. But he felt the structure under head coach Rod Brindamore um, that that will supersede any kind of um, maybe slight sideways drift with eight or 10 or 12 games left in the regular season. So he didn't anticipate a problem for the Hurricanes ramping it up come playoff time. I do think they end up in first place, but that whole Eastern Conference is going to be a bear, especially with Washington playing as well as they are right now. Um, but yeah, I think the Canes end up with the number two seed and the number one spot in the Metropolitan Division. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right. The question is, do they go all the way or at least to the end of their side of the bracket? I, I do think you have to keep a close eye on the New York Rangers. I know the analytical numbers suggest they've been bailed out a lot by Igor Shosturkin. But if you look at the way Chris Drury has built that team, bringing in guys like Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goudreau, this team can play heavy in the playoffs. Chris Kreider, of course, 50 goals, still a very physical player. Jacob Truba and the star talent, guys like Adam Fox. Of course, Shosturkin can steal the series himself. So they're going to be a tough out, Jason just based on that high-end talent. You have to watch out for the Rangers, even though they took one on the chin last night. So I want to talk to you now about the coaching carousel, Scotty. I know earlier, it was last weekend, you had a story about some coaches that their fates are, are sort of in flux. There are 11 coaches going into this week that weren't under contract for next year. Now we know, as of yesterday, it was reported, Dallas Eakins, the Anaheim Ducks, is going to have his option picked up. And it's a nice thing to hear about for Dallas Eakins, of course, the Ducks, they really hit the skids in the second half of the season, but also Pat Verbeek was taking toys off the table, making those <laughs> trades, those seller deals, right? Josh Manson and Ricard Raquel, the list goes on, Hampus Lindholm. So there's been less to work with for Eakins and Anaheim. I wanted to ask you, now we know Eakins is locked up, but there's still 10 coaches not under contract for next season. So who among this group, we see them now on the screen, who among this group, Scotty, is your pick for least likely to be back with his team next year? Yeah, I, you know, for me, Matt, I think you have to look at, it's not just whether a team is playing well or not playing well, but it's to me, it's, you know, the level of play. And, and when we talk about coaching changes, especially coaches who are on expiring deals of one form or another, you know, how are they performing down the stretch? And for me, you know, you have to look at Detroit. Jeff Blaschel has been there a long time. Uh, a really disappointing second half for the Red Wings. I know the fans have been chanting for Jeff Blaschel's head. Not that Steve Eiserman is going to be listening to that kind of thing when he makes the decision in the offseason. But that's a team that really has regressed. I, I think that the way that they are losing now and have lost um, during the second half suggests that, you know, this the coaching change may be sooner than later for the Red Wings who are expected to, you know, very quickly return to um, playoff contending status. I think the same thing for Philadelphia. Oh my goodness, coming off just a, a monumental waxing at the hands of the Washington Capitals. And I know Mike Yo, interim head coach, taking over for Alain Vigneault. I mean, the Philly situation is just dire, doesn't begin to describe it. The, it there's a lot of problems in Philadelphia. Um, it's hard to imagine that. Um, Chuck Fletcher won't be looking for someone behind the bench. It's easy to draw a line to Rick Tockett, to his strong connection to that franchise. Um, and for me, one of the top uh, NHL coaches in waiting, given his experience. Um, and, and the other, I think, is you have to look at Winnipeg with Dave Lowry. Um, Kevin Sheveldayoff's a pretty conservative guy, uh, fairly cautious historically. Does he give Dave another chance? That's a team, though, that I really felt um, even though Paul Maurice stepped away, I thought that they would uh, enjoy a bounce back under Dave Lowry. It just really hasn't happened. And um, that team is, you know, the window's rapidly closing on a team that really should have had more success than it's had. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a change in direction in Winnipeg in the offseason. Yeah, I think it makes sense to me, especially Mike Yo in Philadelphia, just based on the urgency in that market. We know there's been sort of a mission statement from ownership that we will not tolerate what's happening right, right now. Doesn't matter what the standings are showing. We are not a rebuilding team. We are planning on competing next season. And if Mike Yo is not getting the results, they're going to probably bring in someone who can. And uh, speaking of teams that are not 
planning on changing coaches anytime soon. Maybe they even have a Jack Adams winner. That's the Calgary Flames. So let's bring in Ryan Pike to talk all things Calgary for this edition of the All 32. Okay, it's another edition of the All 32 presented by DoorDash. There's the ding dong, and we're happy to welcome Ryan Pike, editor of Flames Nation, to the show. Great to have you today, Ryan. And let's start with Johnny Gaudreau. He hits a new career milestone last night, gets two assists to cross the century mark, now 101 points on the season. So let's talk a little a little heart trophy race. We know he's been on the fringe of the discussion. I think personally he's been gaining a lot of momentum in the heart race. So I want to ask you, Ryan, do you think he's vaulted to that top tier, maybe the top three, maybe even higher in the Hart Trophy race? At this point, uh, I think it's probably between him and Austin Matthews in terms of one and two. I think Matthews, probably in the minds of a lot of voters, probably has a little bit more cachet because of just how many goals he scored and how many key goals he scored for the Leafs down the stretch. But if you look at the underlying numbers, I mean, Goudreau has had a, probably his best two-way season in his career, and he, you know, he might be the the best even strength player in the NHL in terms of being able to produce at five on five and produce consistently and score key goals at key moments at five on five. So I think uh, his recent stretch has definitely vaulted him into that top tier. Ryan, I got to tell you, I, I have a, always had a little trouble getting my arms around what's going on in Calgary in terms of the marketplace and their connection to that team. They haven't won a playoff round since 2015, have not advanced beyond the second round since 04, oh my goodness, that's like 8 million years ago. This is a very good Calgary team. Uh, you know, I think Matt was talking about it earlier. He likes them to go to the Stanley Cup final. You know, could they beat Colorado? All those kinds of things. I still don't have a sense of how they play in that marketplace. though. like, is there, is there a Flames vibe, Ryan, given how good this team is right now? I mean, we know... The, the marketplace in Vancouver or Edmonton or Toronto. What's what's the deal with the Flames this year in that marketplace? Do you notice anything different? What's the what's the vibe? Well, as of this week, the Flames will have been in first place for two months. And I think the entire time the vibe in town has been, well, we've seen this we've seen this movie before show us in the playoffs because in in 2018 19 i think a lot of the fan base a lot of the marketplace got swept up in in flames fever and then they just flat out got outplayed and beaten by colorado in the first round so i think yeah. i think in the market there's going to be some cautious optimism but i think a lot of caution about that optimism until they see how they look in the first round if they if they get past the first round i think a lot of people are going to start getting on board in a big way and I have another one for you, Ryan, about Johnny Gaudreau. I still have Johnny Hockey on the brain. He's just really blown me away with what he's done this season. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to think big picture. I want to think Flames history. And I know Johnny Hockey, he can't be mentioned in the same breath as the Joe Newendikes of the world, the, the guys from the cup-winning teams. But I feel like he's starting to climb up the list of all-time Flames forwards. So for you, if you look at the all-time greats, Jerome McGinley, Theo Fleury, the list goes on, Dougie Gilmore, Lanny McDonald, of course, 60-goal season plus with, as a Calgary Flame. Where does Johnny Hockey rank for you? And also, where do you see him finishing? Because obviously we know his future is still in flux. 
Well, I mean, you know, I, uh, as of this week, uh, actually as of right now, Gaudreau is five points away from uh, becoming just the fifth flame in franchise history to, to amass 600 points of the franchise. The other guys involved are sort of like you mentioned, sort of the, the murderer's row of Flames greats, uh, Al McKinnis, Theo Fleury, Jerome McGinley, and Joe Neuendijk. I think uh, Jerome, I think Johnny Gaudreau is right up there with him. And I think, I think the big challenge for him is if you look at the other th- – four guys, they all had that sort of defining playoff run. Uh, you know, Jerome McGinley had the 2004 run and won, you know, basically, you know, was the best player in the league for a three or four year period in, in the early aughts. Uh, you know, the other three guys, Fleury, Neuendijk and McInnes were big pieces of that 1989 cup run. A couple of the guys, you know, were part of multiple cup runs. And so I think the the challenge for, for Gaudreau's legacy in the market is that he needs to have that defining playoff year because he's been, you know, I, I think Daryl Sutter, when he was speaking to the media last night, hit the nail on the head. He was asked about the importance of 100 points and he sort of brushed it off, said he didn't really care. Because does 100 points win you a scoring title and does it win a Stanley Cup? And of course, you know, you, you got to do it in the playoffs to do it in the playoffs. And to this point, uh, you know, Johnny Gaudreau hasn't done it in the playoffs, but I also don't think he's had the, the supporting cast like he has this season in prior playoff years, but uh, we'll see. I think uh, I'd be curious to see what happens with him because if he does end up signing long-term in Calgary, I think he's one of those guys that he has the the style and he has the, you know, the, the joie de vivre, so to speak, in his game that I think he could, you know, really define himself as one of the, the all-time greats. Very well said. And you make really great points about the playoffs as well. And I've seen it, you know, with Johnny Gaudreau, when the NHL cracked down on slashing a couple years ago, players like him that have really strong East-West play, same with Mitch Marner in Toronto, smaller guys, their numbers exploded. But we saw them often get erased in the playoffs when the officials start calling the game differently. So that's the big question. Can Johnny Gaudreau finally break through and find that space to be effective in the playoffs? So this has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. If you see at the bottom of the screen here, your promo codes, D-F-O-D-D in the United States, or that's in Canada, rather, D-F-O-D-D-U-S in the United States. And that gets you 25% off free delivery on your first order. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. And of course, read his work at flamesnation.ca. Okay, Scott, it's time for the daily face-off inbox question. This one's a fun one. I love storylines like this. Last night, the Washington Capitals run up the score on the Philadelphia Flyers, win 9-2, and there were some reports. We saw a tweet from Leah Hextall indicating that the Flyers were not too happy about the fact that late in that game, Alex Ovechkin's out there playing the full two minutes, his customary spot on the power play. Tom Wilson apparently yells from the bench, how else is he going to catch Wayne Gretzky in goals? Which is a fair point. So I want to ask you, Scott, fair or foul? Is it okay to sort of be out there chasing records when the score is that lopsided against a team that's way out of the playoffs? Or do you think it's a bit of an unsportsmanlike move by the Caps? I got to tell you what was foul was watching Philadelphia try and play defense last night. And at one point, all five players completely ignored Connor Sheary in front who had about, oh, I don't know, an hour and a half to deke around and, and, and score a goal. So that's the foul part for me. And I do love Tom Wilson's explanation to the flyer bench, if, if that's how it unfolded. And it's fair enough. I always find it interesting because it's not, 
Um, in fact, I think Peter Laviolette, uh, head coach of the Washington Capitals, was angry. Oh, I wish I could remember the team. Same kind of thing. This unspoken. If you're, you know, if you're ahead by a bunch of goals that you, you know, you're not using your first power play unit right to the very end. And there's this, you know, again, I always hate it. It's the code. The code covers all these kinds of murky things in the NHL. I have zero problem with it, right? Ovi's trying to catch the greatest player of all time. It's a great storyline. If if Peter Laviolette wants to use Ovi, you know, if he wants to run him out for eight minute shifts, I, I think it's totally okay. If he wants to have him out there, the full power play, even though you're up five or six or seven goals, whatever it is, has zero problem with it. Um, you know, I understand the frustration in Philadelphia. The whole season's been a tire fire and you're being embarrassed by the Capitals. Uh, I don't think that's the intent, right? The intent is, hey, we've got one of the greatest players of all time chasing the greatest player of all time. I'm going to put him on the ice for all the opportunities that he can get. It's not about embarrassing the Flyers. Um, really, Flyers have lots more to be embarrassed about other than having Ovi on the ice. So I, I think it's totally fair. And again, the foul part really is on the play of the Flyers. What, what did you make of it? I think fair as well. I think, you know, especially if you factor in just the difference in eras, Alex Ovechkin, he's had to endure multiple lockouts and COVID shortages. He has to find a way to claw back those missed games any way he can. And one way to do so is to be out there in a 9-2 game, just trucking around on the power play. And like you said, I don't think the intent was malicious. And these things tend to sort themselves out with sort of on-ice justice. If the Capitals want to risk injuring their captain before the playoffs because they want to prioritize chasing the goals record, then that's on them. If something happens, then it's their decision and they have to live with it. I think things sort of have a way of sorting themselves out and I'm glad to see nothing happened to Ovi when he was out there late in the game. I think it's fair for him to chase the record. It's the only way he's going to get it. He's got to find every little edge he can get. Okay, it's time to bring in Tyler Remchuk for our daily face-off betting segment. Thanks, Matt. It was uh, not a good night for me. Going 0 for 2. Uh, we needed the Panthers to win in regulation. They won in overtime, but that's the way she goes. We look to bounce back tonight, and I got a couple of plays courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet Canada. And I'm starting with a matchup between the New York Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers. I've bet on the Rangers quite a bit this year, and they seemingly always find a way to let me down. But I like them on the puck line tonight, paying plus 120. Love those odds. And yes, the Rangers played last night. They lost to Carolina. Usually I don't bet on teams playing on the second of back-to-backs, but the Flyers played last night as well. And they got stomped by the Washington Capitals by a score of 9-2. So I think the Rangers should have no problem in this hockey game. They're starting Alexander Gorgiev. And while he's had his fair share of slumps throughout the year, He's won five starts in a row, so I like Gorgiev between the pipes. I like the Rangers to roll tonight, and my player prop, I'm digging into this matchup a little bit deeper. I'm going with Amika Zibanejad, assist at plus 110. Zibanejad has nailed this bet in three straight games. He's hit it in six of his last 10. He has a total of 48 helpers on the year. I like him to get an apple tonight, and I like that plus 110 payout as well, and that's all I got, guys. All right, thank you, Tyler. We're going to finish it off now with a little bit of garbage time. And Mr. Burnside, you have the floor. I know you have some thoughts on the Winter Classic announcement. So what do you have for us with garbage time today? Yeah, certainly reports now. Kevin Weeks, uh, I believe, was the first to report that the Pittsburgh Penguins would be heading to Fenway 
for the Winter Classic uh, next year, January 2nd, I believe. Um, I actually covered the first Winter Classic at Fenway Park, an interesting tilt between the Bruins and the Flyers. That was a long time ago. And I know immediately people are like, oh, the Penguins, how boring. And this will be their sixth outdoor game. It'll be their third Winter Classic. And yes, you could have gone outside the box a little bit. What about Florida? Maybe they deserve a chance to play in one of these marquee events. Um, maybe a more natural rivalry, Toronto or Montreal. I get all that. Um, and I actually, I immediately felt the same way, but I've taken a little step back on this. And I know that the uh, Fenway Sports Group uh, recently purchased the uh, Penguins, so maybe there's a certain amount of cynicism about this uh, symbiotic relationship and the fact that the Penguins are going to go to Fenway to play the uh, Winter Classic. But here's my thought on this now. Uh, you wrote about Sidney Crosby uh, the other day, Matt. It was a great piece, and Sidney Crosby's still bringing it, uh, even though people sometimes forget he is still one of the great players in the NHL. Evgeny Malkin, currently suspended for a nasty cross-check, by the way. Uh, maybe Chris Letang will be back. Who knows? For me, why not have the Penguins at the NHL's marquee regular season event? Maybe it's the last time for Sidney Crosby and his core of players to play on this stage, to play in this event. Not that I'm rushing him into retirement, but I've really sort of softened. Maybe I'm just getting more maudlin in my old age, but I'm okay with seeing the Penguins once again on uh, on the Winter Classic stage. Um, I love the matchup against the Boston Bruins. Who knows, Patrice Bergeron. Maybe we're seeing some of the greats of this generation will be the last time that they get to participate. Marshan, Bergeron, that group. Um, on the Winter Classic stage. So you know what? I'm okay with Pittsburgh getting the invite to the Winter Classic to Fenway next year. And whether I'm there or not, I'll certainly be tuning in. What's interesting too, we don't know. It's too far away, but Evgeny Malkin is a UFA. Chris Letang is a UFA. Patrice Bergeron is a UFA. So we think they're going to be there, but we don't know for sure. I have one more question for you, Scotty. And I remember talking to Keith Wachtel, one of the NHL executives who came from the NFL. That was sort of his original line of experience. And he talked about wanting to set up so many different outdoor games as sort of tent poles throughout the year, building an event calendar, kind of learning from the NFL experience. But I'm wondering, are we getting close to a point where we've got sort of outdoor game fatigue? Because I feel like the buzz, whenever these announcements, they come out, it's just not the same as it used to be. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And I think... You know, I think the fatigue maybe on a national level is is probably there, and, and you're absolutely right. But I think what you have to remember is that in each of these markets, and I, I think our my old friend Steve Simmons may have written about this after the outdoor game in Hamilton um, at uh, Tim Hortons Field against the Buffalo Sabres. Listen, great event for that community. Um, <clears throat> the thing you always have to remember is when you're trying to figure out the matchups, whose fans travel well, can you sell the tickets? I loved the uh, game in Nashville this year, Tampa in against Nashville. Loved the spectacle of watching that game on television. Um, I think in those marketplaces, these games continue to resonate. They're enormous ge revenue generators, assuming that you continue to sell the tickets. And I, I have no reason to believe that they won't sell like crazy at Fenway and they won't sell like crazy at Carter Finley Stadium where Carolina will host a stadium series game in early 2023 next year uh, against the Washington Capitals. I, I, these are really important moments for those markets. 
and for those fan bases, whether you're visiting team or the hosting team. So I agree with you. Yes, people could get a little jaded about the whole thing. And I'm sure the instant reaction with the Penguins is, oh, so tired by that. It's a real thing. It'll be a real thing in Boston. It'll be a real thing for those Penguins fans, especially because they may not get to see those core players uh, on this kind of stage again. So I, that's my view on the on the fatigue factor for outdoor games. I'm with you, Scott. And with that, we finish up this episode, April 13th, 2022. I want to thank you, Scott. Absolute honor to be on the show with you today, my friend. I want to thank Tyler Uremchuk, Ryan Pike, our technical producer, Alex Allard. And be sure to check out dailyfaceoff.com for all your NHL needs, news, analysis, insight. And we'll be back tomorrow with another show, Noon Eastern. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under 
a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.